And just like that, the sun sets on another year in the Norwich Football League. A championship beatdown puts the Stoats' name on the trophy a second time, while the Raw Dogs limp back to their kennel, empty-handed. Turns out they were all bark and no bite. This week, we celebrate the victory and look back at a year filled with dominance, incompetence, and a whole fleet of tanks. This is Don't Fear the Keeper. And we are back. Uh, as you just heard me say, this is Don't Fear the Keeper. I am Diesel, joined uh, for the final time this season uh, by the commish. Uh, Chuck, how are we doing? We're doing pretty good. Not going to lie. Uh, my last week of vacation for the next year and a half, so I'm just really soaking it in. That's, yeah, when did you wake up this morning? Or I get up at like 11. I wake up for like, I, go to bed, I go to bed at about 4 a.m., so. <laughs> that is literally, hours. that's that's Colin's dream. That's, as Colin yeah. put it, his uh, his peak efficiency schedule. Yeah, that's why, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm firing on all cylinders, so. <laughs> yeah, like, like, most people's days are almost, are almost wrapping up. My day's like half over. I am more than halfway through my day at 11 yeah. a.m., your time, yeah. Um, Jesus. All right, well. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, if you guys hear me chewing, by the way, I'm eating a bag of candy to commemorate Colin and his victory, so. That's, that's what I'm doing. I, I actually don't have any on me. I would join you otherwise. Maybe I'll just, like, make some simple syrup and just start drinking it, or, like, eating it with a spoon. I think that could be nice. Um, all right, well, uh, speaking of Colin, um, yeah, we are here to sort of commemorate the championship and, uh, and then do a little, uh, you know, league and, or league year and uh business not league end alex tried but we did not end this league um yes we um so we're gonna go through we'll go through the championship and then we'll kind of you know we'll do some awards um then we can get into some sort of final thoughts um uh one thing that i'd like to note since chuck was sort of noting his surroundings uh i am in uh our new apartment here um which i have my own like separate office so I don't know. I'm sure you can hear that, but not he, not working. It's not working. I mean, it's a lot better. He's not here in the room with me. There's a door. It's closed. I could lock him another door away, but he'll tuck himself out. Um, that was also we we, I, John, we we know that not to be true. I can only say that that is the most perfect timing that he's ever executed. Yeah, that that <laughs> was. <laughs> Truly incredible work out of Nuggets. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll stop. We're still waiting for him to stop a week and a like a month later. We're still waiting for him to tucker himself out, John. So, yeah, keep going. He just ran headfirst into the door. That's fun. Okay. So, um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's sort of dive in here. I'm going to kill him. I will kill him. So, um, obviously, uh, as we just mentioned, uh, Colin taking home the, uh, the hog this year um in what i can only describe as not a particularly competitive game um we uh we do have a, a second member now of the uh the, the two-time winners club um and thank god because i think i don't know that any of us could have survived alex being the only one for much longer um and you know to um to, to welcome con to that i i do think he did it with a with a flourish uh, he had um, an absolutely, he had a pretty 
mediocre both, game. Both both of his runs, he got hot at the right time. Like his team yeah. was just playing well, kind of the last. He's been hot for more than just the past three weeks, but they've no, like yeah. both runs he's gone on when the playoffs come. He just kind of goes up to even another level. And that was the kind of the, the case this year. Um, another thing he did was by keeping Mike out of the winner's circle. Yeah. He maintained uh, some community with Paul in that. And so now Paul and Mike remain the only members of the OG League to uh, to never win. Mike could have uh, put Paul alone on that list, but they still are partners in crime in that endeavor. They are. Um, they're also, uh, yeah, Colin keeps the bloodline um, intact, essentially. There's no new blood on the trophy this year. Um which is, you know, there obviously there are varying uh, feelings about that, but um, yeah, my, I, I've really settled upon where I go on that. Like, I think I've said it before. There are certain guys where it's time, like when, <laughs> like, when, like when, like when Paul wins. If not when, this is an if. If this Paul ever if. wins, I will be genuinely like excited for him because he's put in a lot of hours in this league, and it's like he's finished second quite a few times. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, but really, as long as like Brian or Zach aren't the ones that win it, I can kind of get myself to rally for. Oh, Alex, sorry. As long as it's not yeah. Brian, Zach, it's, or Alex, it's a Brian, I Zach, can, or Alex would be the big three. I can kind of, I can kind of get myself to rally behind um, anybody that wins, sort of in the future. But no, yeah, congrats to Colin on the multi-time winner. On the ballot, I did order the plaque. It is here. So as, long, as soon as Benjamin Hood News. ships me the trophy, I will be able to put that on there and send uh, the trophy and the money to Colin. So It is really a shame that we don't all live in the same city or even like really close to the same cities now because – the, the two-step process just is inherently more complicated where it has to go to you first and then you have to affix the plaque and then we have to ship it back out. It's really just opening us up to more chaos um, in an already not consistent process in terms of getting that trophy to the right yeah. person. And as I said, it's already been broken once. Thanks, Alex, for breaking it the first time. Uh, but they have discontinued this trophy. So if it breaks again, it's very funny. They've discontinued the trophy, but they still sell the plaques. Um, right on them. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's true. That's, that's just a stream of income that they get to have yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if it breaks we, and we can't fix it, um, we'll have to get a new trophy with all new plaques replaced. So, which will yeah. be fun. I mean, the goal obviously is to have the same trophy and fill it up and then have it yes. be, I don't know where it would go at that point, but, um, it would be an entertaining experience. Um, I think we, I think we just build our own Stanley cup next level to it. Oh, I see. So you, you put it on a riser and then there's a, okay, I see what you're saying. Ah, it could work. I like the idea of like, we retire it and then like, obviously no one person could have it. So maybe we bury it somewhere. <laughs> like we put it to rest in like the Ayuka ravine or something along those lines. I think that could be fun. Um, Okay, but to, to get into the actual game... Here's uh, the idea. We journey we journey to the Edmund Fitzgerald Rackets site, and we drop oh. it in the, in the water there. I'm not against dropping in Lake Erie, actually. Despite the fact that that would not be particularly convenient for me, I uh, I think it would actually be only convenient which, for you. Uh, John, which body of water do you think the Edmund Fitzgerald sank in? Oh, sorry. It was headed for Cleveland, right? Yes. So it was... 
Which lake was it actually? Sank I know it's the Great Lake they call uh, Gitchigumi. It sank in Superior. <laughs> okay, it sank in Superior. That's all I I know. It's in Gitchigumi, Charlie. I just do not remember which lake was Gitchigumi. Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, all right. Uh, to, to finally get into the game, so Colin essentially had a very kind of not bad week, but okay week, and then he had two he scored 180 points. John. He had no. He had. 80 points from two guys. Wow. And then that's my point is that Colin did pretty well and then had two guys go absolutely nuclear to, to get him this one. Um, he, I mean, he probably still beats Mike even with just like average performances from those two guys. Cause Mike kind of uh, undershot the mark, but uh, truly incredible out of CD lamb and Devonte Adams too. Uh, CD lamb's played well all year. Devonte Adams has obviously been uh, significantly more like, hot and cold um but colin started him at the right time and uh he put up 30 something and cd lamb at 40 um and i wanted to make this note here uh because obviously colin got adams from me um if i'd started gabe in the toilet bowl that would have been the most even mutually beneficial trade that has ever happened in the history of this league yeah i dodge losing the league i get a first round pick uh and colin wins the league specifically essentially because of those two guys. And then it's still even because Brian Robinson and Josh Jacobs both got hurt and didn't play. It's, it's dead. Even it's a beautiful, yeah. it would have been a beautiful thing that said, I didn't do it. Um, on Mike's side, um, Mike didn't have a bad game. Mike similarly actually just sort of had a mediocre game. Um, but he needed what he had been doing the whole year. Um, and really it wasn't even necessarily underperformance as much as it was. Mike got, Mike wasn't hit with the injury bug. Mike was knocked out by the injury bug. Mike was assaulted by it. Um, multiple mid-game injuries. Uh, he obviously, he had lost quite a few guys going into that week um, between Mostert and Keenan Allen and... Um, Hawkinson. Hawkinson. I was trying to say, I was like... Who, no, and, the, and like, Mike gets some really unfortunate performances there. Like the Texans beat the Titans 26-3 yeah. and Stroud just didn't do anything. Like, yeah. you know, like that's that was a game that was primed for Mike for Stroud to have 30 and really boost Mike. And it just didn't happen again. The Dolphins played a team that's above 500 on the road. So they sucked. And Tyreek Hill had didn't go well, one right? of his worst games of the season. Um, but actually his worst. No, he had was his third worst. No, nah, right, you got to hurt that one, though. Yeah. So yeah, it's on par of when they've played. Actually, just when they've played good teams, this is the game he has. Yeah, I mean, and it's also it's not a bad game. It's just Mike needed twenty five thirty. He needed he needed, he needed the two thousand yard receiver Tyree kill to to show. Yeah, up. not the middle of the road. And I mean, yeah, obviously that's more on Tua. <laughs> it's on Tyree, yeah. but still. Um, but no, I mean, we we kind of pointed it out. Mike had been really. A large part of his um, success came from Christian McCaffrey, and then he was getting ten times the production that anybody expected out of Raheem Mostert and DeAndre Swift. Yeah. And then when he was healthy, Keenan Allen was was I think like wide receiver three when he was healthy. Like he was I mean, right yeah. behind. He ended up Tyree Kill, and, and he didn't uh, play yeah. last four weeks. Yeah, so it's like he was, and then but basically one after another. Like the Eagles 
they're still trying to figure out what's going on with their offense. The McCaffrey gets hurt. Fire Nick Sirianni. Yeah, they, McCaffrey gets hurt mid game, and so he has has it still actually a really decent running back game. It's just not a Christian McCaffrey game. Yeah, Hill we discussed, um, and they just didn't have two of his major. Yeah, players down the stretch and Allen and Mostert almost is kind of a credit to him to get to the championship um, as hurt as he was. But it was the it was when um, like TCU has a game of their life against Michigan and then they run into Georgia and it's like, oh, these are very different teams. Yeah. And he was playing he was playing the team that was maybe on paper. Not the best team. I mean, you could make an argument that they, it was, but was certainly playing like the best team. And he ran into the buzzsaw that was Collins roster. I mean, yeah, I think uh, it was more of a, a case of Mike. Certainly if you throw out Mike's best team, I think that this is dead. Even it's a five point game one way or another. It was, he, it was Collins, a team versus Mike's uh, most of Collins, a team, I guess he did have to start Chandler, but like most of Collins, a team versus Mike's B team. And yeah. we see what the result of that was. Um, and actually, Chuck, let's let's go into that now, since you mentioned the CFP, because you pulled up all of the the historic records of of how not close our championship games have been. Um, yes, and I I do think that there is a parallel here between that and and the results of the college football playoff games. You can certainly make that argument. Oh, my my, my mouse is the wrong way. There we go. There we um, go. Yeah, so if you look at our league history, I'm just going to do some quick math here. But no, please. These these aren't in perfect order. But when Alex beat Colin several years ago, um, he did it by 25. Uh, when I beat Alex, I beat him by almost 60 points on the dot. Mm-hmm. Um, John, when he beat Paul, beat him by 53 points. Mm-hmm. Um. Colin beat Paul by 63 points. That's the <laughs> next highest margin of victory. Paul. Uh, we, had ben, we had Ben beating Zach last year by 53 points. Oh, Christ. Um, and then the only close game I could find was when Alex beat, I think this was for championship number, it might have been said. championship one for Alex. Oh. Um, he beat Paul by seven points. And if you add in the, what was it? Uh, 50, 47 point margin of victory that we had this year. I'm just going to run some quick maths. Oh, please do. What the, what the average margin of victory is um, for our, for our championship game. Yeah, I mean, it is it's not. Like, it's like 38 probably. Yeah. 25 plus 60 plus 53 plus 53 plus 53. Two 53 point victories. Exactly. Plus 47. Divided by seven. Average margin of victory is 44 points. <laughs> and just for the sake of it, if you throw out the one outlier we have. At that point, it's 50. It's it's over 50. It's 50.1. <laughs> so, yeah. So, our championship games are particularly not close at all. And this was kind of no exception to that. Yeah, and and there is there's a parallel between that and the the college football playoffs. Real, they schedule some great first round games, which is you know no different from us. We had some real competition in the earlier rounds, and then um, 
it's a real anticlimax seemingly every time. And I don't understand how it continues to happen. And on both sides of it, honestly, because obviously the college football playoff, they have they got a, they've game. gotten a couple. They've gotten a couple done on um, both Georgia, Alabama games were very close. One went to overtime. Right. And every single Alabama Clemson championship seemed to be very competitive. Very competitive. Outside of that, it's been blowout after blowout in the, in the CFB. Yeah. Our win, the LSU win. Um, obviously, the last two have been. This last one was obviously the LSU win is a weird one too because Clemson was up like twelve points in that game in the second quarter, and then LSU just came storming yeah. back. So it's like, oh, well, they were the best team in the here. country that year. That yeah. was yeah, that was just that. But um, yeah, and then as far as we go, I don't know why it happens um, that we keep getting. I mean, this time we even had, I believe, the consensus two best teams throughout the entire year if you average it out, um, and. Um, yeah, still was not close. <laughs> so. well, the, the best example or the best reason I can think of was I saw this and it was making the playoffs of fantasy football is a skill. Uh-huh. Winning the championship is luck. luck. And yeah. I think we've run into that a bunch of times. Like Mike assembled a roster that was more than good enough to make the playoffs. And then it just basically wasn't there when the championship game came around. There's nothing you can do about it, yeah. you know. It is a uh, an interesting thing. It, I think this is one of the most interesting ones, though, because all those other ones you listed that weren't particularly close, they were over early, and I don't think anyone was really expecting them to get closer. This one, just because of the nature of Mike's players and their performances over the year, um, the whole time, despite the fact that Khan was like consistently up 20 to 30 points, it was just like, did, who's it going to be? There was a feeling in the back of my head that was just like, DeAndre Swift's going to score, like, 45 and then Mike's going to be right well, back in this it, thing. It, it was the, it was the same thing that was kind of, you kind of had with when Colin played me, the game was never really particularly close. Um, but Colin himself was like, we're one, like with my game, he's like, we're one Debo Samuel broken tackle mm-hmm. away from this being a game again. Same thing with Mike's team. We were one Deandre Swift breakaway or one Tyree kill, like play away from him being, right back in this game so it's like that there was a little bit of that you're right but yeah it's unfortunate that it really never seemed that close it never really got that close on paper no it really didn't um which is it's a shame that i feel like we're going to look back at this because again the real results during the season like i remember my results throughout the course of a year i don't remember mike's results from three years ago like it's just not really noteworthy we're only really going to remember this is the year that Mike got blown out in a championship game. Yeah. Like, and it was like, Mike choked. We're not going to remember the fact that Mike was like the most dominant team we've ever had. Um, outside of, he obviously holds a scoring record now. No one, like, no yeah. one, no one. And honestly, that's like, cool. You won, uh, uh, Mike won offensive player of the year. And his team yeah. missed the playoffs. Like that's one exactly. of those things. Like, yeah, it's just not really that relevant. Um, so yeah, kudos to you, Mike, uh, tip of the cap for, you know, um, really being the best of the people tied with Zach. Um, that's yeah. That's all we can give you. Um, okay. You got any other uh, thoughts, Chuck? Um, no, that's all. That's all. I kind of had on that. Like you said, I think we, I think we got enough out of what was, as you kind of confirmed, not a really great championship game and a long line of not particularly great championship games. So yeah. 
which is in itself interesting. Um, yes. Okay, well, now we're going to hear from um, the winner himself. Uh, I asked Colin to uh, record a clip uh, talking about what this championship means to him. Hey, fellas. You know, I don't have any dogs barking. Um, I don't have ice in my cup. And I don't even have any any sausage production. But what I do have is a second Norwich Fantasy League championship. Second Peach Hog going up on that mantle. Um, you know, really America's highest honor. So obviously I'm thrilled with that. And just really happy with my team. Um, and... You know, the grit they showed, the determination to battle back from a slow start to the season and put on that performance of heart down the stretch in the playoffs. Um, you know, it's it's a good feeling that for another 12 years now, I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm below average in terms of my expected league wins. Um, so we could push that off for a little while. Obviously, that's a huge relief. Um, obviously, it's nice that I get to gloat for the next 300 or so days. Um, but most of all, I'm just, I feel like a public servant, you know, um, for doing what no one else here could do and taking away from Alex the title of only multi-time winner. Um, so, you know, I'm assuming the rest of this podcast will be dedicated to thanking me and, and I take that thanks graciously. Um, and I guess I'll end with just one note of thanks myself to Zach Wilson and the Chargers defense. Couldn't have done it without you boys. All right, peace. Okay, well, thank you, Colin. Um, full disclosure, I don't have that clip yet at the time of this recording, but I'm sure it's great. Um, personally, I hope it includes a lot of barking. Um, I think that that would be where I'd go with it, but I guess we'll just see where Colin decides to go with it. Um, especially after... Did you go back and listen through to um, Mike's like recorded message from the one we did? No, I did not. It was... I. I think during the episode it was like, oh, is it just like 30 seconds of barking? It's literally Mike holding his phone up to a, like a YouTube video of like dogs barking <laughs> for 45 seconds or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I would, I hope Colin mirrors that. Uh, okay. Well now we're going to get into uh, our first uh, segment here, which is going to be our uh, league awards. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> obviously, Chuck, this is made either simpler or more complicated because we decided to nominate finalists for these awards. I, I think it makes it way better. Okay. It, well, here's the thing though. Cause there is a very real, like MVP and LVP specifically easily could have been like, like if someone had put up like a truly historically bad performance and like lost someone by five points, a non nominated player easily could have wound up on, as the recipient of this. That being said, I don't think that's going to be the case here. Um, maybe for MVP, we could make some, some arguments, but we will see. Um, 
But do you want to go through them in the sort of order we went through them at first, or how do you want to uh, approach these? I think yeah, we'll just do it the same the same order that we that we went through it. We had that you had right. it listed here. Well, let's. Um, okay, I like that we're going to end with Mister Irrelevant then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the that's, real... that's how you end. That's how you uh, end things, John. That is how you end things. All right, so starting off, then we're going to give out uh, Coach of the Year here. Um, and I mean, obviously, the... so we had three finalists. We can go yeah. and start with that. Sorry, yes, our finalists, finalists are. are... Go ahead, Scott, go ahead. Scott, Zach, and Colin. Those are our finalists. Um, and so first of all, I think we we throw out Zach here. Probably um, didn't really inspire a ton of confidence. Uh, did make the playoffs. Got that first round win by the skin of his teeth. Um, so I think you're down to a two horse race between Scott and Colin. I would agree. The, the easy thing to do here is obviously to give this to Colin. He won. He won big. Um, he obviously. Oh, I'm about to come off the top rope for Scott. If you want to be the give us the Colin, the Colin side of it. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to pick Scott here, but yes. Okay. I will be devil's advocate for Colin. Um, yeah. I mean, I think obviously he wins the league. He does it in convincing fashion um, across all of his games. And more than anything, I think nobody um, built their team more than Colin did. Uh, I think, you know, when you really look at, how he started, uh, the moves he made, um, kind of pushing all the right buttons at the right time, you know, as evidenced by, um, you know, going back to Devontae Adams, who had been very hot and cold. Um, he literally scored 1.4 points the week before the championship, and Colin puts him back in, and 37, and he wins. So I think that you do have to give Colin a lot of credit for the very active managing role that he took versus the maybe more passive uh, approach that Mike took in having a great draft and then, you know, sort of making a tweak or two here or there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that would be Colin's case. The Norwich football league <laughs> on paper only has one winner at the end of every season. That's the person that actually wins the, the trophy. We've long since adopted that there are really two winners every year. There's a guy that wins the trophy and then there's the guy that, wins the toilet bowl because that means they don't come in last place. They're probably just as happy as the guy that won the trophy in a lot of cases. The relief there, yeah, easily. Yeah. I think Scott becomes a third winner of the Norwich Football League this year. So we have Kyle, we have Colin, and as I said for for a while, we have Scott who did like – it's a very Chicago Bears type comp here where Mm. he sold – now he took him took it one step further and made the playoffs with his roster, and now has actually, unfortunately, like he had, he had just an awful first round game, and that was it. Because if you looked at the numbers he was putting up in the yeah. consolation bracket, it would have been a problem. It would like, have been he, an issue. He, he he was just one week off on on when to go off here, making a real run. Yeah, and so I'm I, I think it's Scott. I think Scott. Like he said, he he accomplished everything you would want to accomplish, especially as a first-year coach. He was very competitive for almost the entire year. He made a lot of moves, made the playoffs, and is set up for next year. Yeah, I think that that, that was going to be my argument as well. I feel like this is – I'm treating this less like coach of the year and more like um, executive of the year, like – I feel like well, fortunately everybody's both, and so I that, that counts. Say, that's I feel like it merges. Uh, so to look at it from that perspective, yeah, the ability of Scott to sell 
get the extra first round pick and still show up to the dance. Um, especially, I think it is buoyed by the fact that he will always be held a little bit in direct comparison to Kyle, who also sold, but also won the toilet bowl by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. So it is um, to, to have that be your direct comparison, just make Scott look a little bit better. Um, and yeah, for that reason, I, I think that this is, this is a Scott, uh, a Scott award. And on a personal note, Scott and Kyle have been in the league for one year, and I already like them more than I like Brian and Alex being in the league, so. <laughs> I second that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that that's... Uh, congratulations, Scott. Um, the something winner of uh, the Norwich Football League Coach of the Year. We should probably track uh, past winners and how many times we hand out these awards because they change every we, we, year. Well, we, well, we, we, yes, we change them all every year. So, yeah, that should be something we should probably keep track of going forward. I just think it'd be fun in this, like, what did you say, seventh year of this kind of more normalized format um, if we were just like, yeah, no, this is the third ever Coach of the Year award that we're <laughs> handing out. That's true. I think that'd be kind of fun. But, Okay. Moving on to our next award, uh, that's going to be the MVP. Um, and our finalists were uh, Raheem Mostert, Puka Nakua, and Brock Purdy. Um, ain't going to the last guy. I can tell you no, that it's right not. now. No, ain't going to him. It's not going to BCP. He fucking, he fucking melted. Fucking melted when uh, I needed him the most. Um, and yeah. it's between Mostert and Nakua. So I actually think we can kind of do this in one foul swoop. But I think Nakua is winning MVP. And Peach Hog MVP as the MVP player of the of the playoffs. Interesting. So why the the reason he's up for MVP is that he is again this was a non drafted player that was a waiver wire pick finished as wide receiver four. Um, and then if you look at what he did in the playoffs, Ron won when Kong was his whole team basically went off, and um, Ben's team really didn't show up at all. Uh, had 10 points under his projection. That was fine. Round two, he has his best game of the year at 33 points. And then he dropped 19 points in the championship. Which if it wasn't for going off on uh, C.B. Land and Adams, would have been Collins' like, highest scoring. Uh, it would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. And so. It, very I mean, consistent it's it's all not his highest scoring. It, yeah. It's behind. It's his worst receiver, actually. Yeah, I know. I saw that. That's why I stopped. That's why I didn't finish the sentence. Sure. I didn't see. I was looking at the projections instead of their actual scores. I was scrolling right. down the list, and I realized I was in the wrong column. Um, but very consistent all year, and showed up particularly in the playoffs pretty well, especially in that second round game. And the other guy on the list is Raheem Mostert, who. Literally for MVP was for MVP was hurt. I mean, unless you want to give it to Devontae Adams for his championship performance, or CD Lamb would be the other guy I would consider. But Adams, like you said, had one catch the previous week. CD Lamb did go um like yeah. 18, 25, 40. He's the only one of the guy that I would consider in this category. So uh, for MVP, I th- I think it's Puka. I agree. Okay. Just because of a, he's a waiver wire guy, so you're getting him 
undrafted actually which almost slightly takes away from his allure like if colin had got no some... he's got no keeper status exactly if you take him in the 11th round or something like that it's obviously better but still you get him for free um he was incredible you're right he was he really carried colin through some of his tougher early weeks um i do yeah so i disagree with you on peach hog mvp but we can get to that yeah Later. So we'll so we'll, um, so we'll, leave, we'll leave that alone, and then so Puka Nakua is league MVP. It's league MVP. I think that is completely okay. fair. Yeah, I think Raheem Mostert had it in the bag had he not, you know, if died. he had played, if he had played the last few games, it would have been huge. Because yeah, he even like in his last game, which I'm assuming he got hurt during, he still had 12 points. Like he was still pretty damn good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we um, yeah we hand this to Puka. Um, okay, let's let's look at. Um, LVP, uh, least valuable player. Um, our finalists were Justin Jefferson, um, Gabe Davis, and Aaron Jones. Um, I don't know. I really don't know on this one, actually. Uh, obviously, my instinct is Gabe here because him scoring a lot of points on my bench in that game is actually more of a reason in my opinion that he's but that, the least but that, but but it, here's the thing is that that's that makes you like ass manager of the year not makes him least valuable player no because here's the thing if he if Gabe davis was a more consistent player or even just a player who appeared to be in the game plan slightly more than he was would you like to know gabe's uh last let's see Four games leading up, or actually, no, let's go to six games leading up to that. Zero, 9.6, zero, 22.5, then a buy, zero, zero, 23. That's, I, I don't know what to do with that. And that's why, to me, he is the least valuable player, because at any given moment, he could lose you a week, but then also leaving him on the bench leaves you open to this which is just so much worse than having a bad player i will tell you why i th- i boys right, so that's i will stand on the table for justin jefferson okay in this case so aaron jones i think it's out he was just hurt and it's like and he played okay when he actually was playing what he what he especially down the stretch he actually had some decent games like in his toilet bowl game was about what you could ask for, yeah, from him. Yeah, for for a toilet bowl game, yeah, absolutely. Fourteen yeah, and a exactly. half points. I'm, I'm um, why I believe it's Justin Jefferson is, um, so Gabe Davis was a seventh round pick in our league, mm-hmm. which depending on how you construct your roster is, your flex last guy, flex yeah. guy, maybe depending on if you have a tight end, like it's it's kind of in that kind of in that spot there. Whereas Justin Jefferson was the bona fide across every platform, number almost the unanimous number one overall pick, and was hurt basically down the stretch for the playoffs. And um, I'm sort of look at when he came back, it did, like he like he had an awesome last game, which is hilarious, um, by the way, <laughs> which is gr- really good. Scored like thirty six points. In, so he he plays he plays five games and really four and chain because he got hurt early in that Kansas City game and only had five point eight points. Yeah, and he misses one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, um, 
games in a row. And it comes back in week 14, which is usually the last week of the regular season in most leagues. It has 4.7. Yeah. So it's like him coming back did not help you get into the playoffs. It probably hurt you. And then the only fi- credit that you could that you could give him is that he had 26 points, what would be what would have been our toilet bowl game. That's right. the only thing. But he had 15 the next week, in the, which is not – this is an average week, probably. And then if you, if you kept him and you made the championship, he only had 11 points. So it's like he was really helping yeah. nobody. Unless you were so bad without him that you made your toilet bowl, he was not and helping anybody he saved you. The, yeah. the entire year. And so that's why I think he's the least valuable player because of the assets that were given up to get him early on. And it does not – like he finished his wide receiver 33, which is, you know – Good, considering I mean, he didn't play most of the games, but it's like he was not there when you needed him most. I am too close to the Gabe Davis argument, so I will leave it up to you to assign this award. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with with Jefferson only because right. this is now, I think, the third straight year this has happened, where the pretty much consensus number one overall pick has been an injury, an injured guy, or a dud. Because it was. Uh, Jefferson this year, it was Jonathan Taylor last year. Mm, yeah, that was just a dud. And it was, was it two years ago? It would have been. It, it wouldn't have still been McCaffrey. It might have been not Saquon. It was another one of those running backs that kind of yeah, fell off that, the cliff. I'm trying to remember exactly really, who it would have been. Yeah, so this is kind of the third straight year we've done that, and so that's that's why he's the least valuable player in my opinion. Um, all right, I'm okay with that. I'm I am fine. I don't want Gabe to even get that award. I want nothing for him. I want him to suffer. Um might puke on him, you know, or his face at least, uh later this summer. All right. Moving on. That brings us to uh the comeback player of the year. Um our finalists were Wait, it was it was me, what? Colin, and Alex. This one's going to Colin. I really don't have any other any way to combat this make an argument for myself or alex unless you want to but colin was was bad last year and we kind of we when we were talking about him for coach of the year was one of the one of the more hands-on active roster manipulation guys mm-hmm. this year and took it all the way and so i, I really only there's an argument against him being comeback player of the year alex is only on the list because he lost the league last year made that petite final and so was saved and pulled himself out of the actual technically depth. yeah yeah, and I was on the list because I was coming off of two awful years and made the playoffs and got a bye in a tough division. But I kind of the same thing. Like I didn't, I couldn't go all the way with that one, and, and uh, Colin did. So I think this, I think this is his award going away. If you had to ask me, uh, no, I agree. I think that this is. Uh, I mean, yeah, Alex, I agree. You throw him out. Um, his only accomplishment was just not being in the losers bracket, which is great, yeah. but it's still not. Um, too too impressive and then yeah i mean it's really between you and colin i think that there's a great argument both ways but when you have the two teams play and it's a pretty convincing one and one one shit pumps the other one yeah it's tough to argue it is it's not really much of an argument um and if you just look at the stats um he finished second points four scored almost 100 more points than me throughout the season yeah Um, with way more points against i had uh, second fewest points against, and he was second most points against, actually, behind a long way behind you. 
Yeah. Um, no, I was. Yeah. <laughs> and so he did. He did it with a, in a tough division. Same thing as me with a really tough schedule and did it like played a tougher schedule than I did because people scored more points than he did than than against him than against me and it's, and he did better scoring more. So it's like I, there's really no argument between us two. And like you said, we we, we met on the field and uh, we yeah. saw the results. So ball don't lie, uh, as yeah. they say. Um, okay, so congratulations to Colin. And then uh, we might as well just wrap in. Um, yeah, the, the peach hog the is just – that's just Colin. So, yeah, that, instead of having the plaque. Despite, despite him giving me a hard time when I just wanted to confirm that it was Gibbs Free Energy was the name all year and that that's what was going on the plaque. But apparently that was, you know, sorry that I, I apologize <laughs> for confirming before I bought apologize it. Apologize to Gibbs, not to Colin. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking out the 10 bucks out of that out of the winnings for that plaque. <laughs> I'm taking that out. I thought that was a part of the league dues. Well, I mean, I've I, I never, I've, so it always has been. I've never uh, actually taken out the cost of shipping the trophy or the cost of the plaque uh, from the league dues. I'm taking it out this year. You're taking it out this year? Very petty of you. Chuck. It's also more money. It's two extra guys. So it'll be like the same amount of money as winners last year, at the winner last year would have gotten. Yeah. So, okay. So that's fine. Um, I think it'd be fun if in the future we did a Peach Hog Award, but we gave it to not the person who actually won the league. <laughs> like, there's the Peach Hog. The Peach Hog Award is something different, and we give it to Mike for the best we, team. Yeah, we have, like, we have like the our, our Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, and they get the money, exactly. actually. Or, yeah, it's like the person who wins the Maxwell Player of the Year Award versus the Heisman. It's like, no one yeah. cares, but, like, congratulations. <laughs> like, yeah. you got it. Um. Okay. So now let's go into the Peachog MVP. I believe it's the it's the the Maxwell Award is the quarterback award. The Walter Camp Award is what you were is referring the to. The college the college football player of the year is the Walter Camp Award. I thought Maxwell was just like offensive player of the year. No, that's the quarterback award. Actually, no, no, I'm, there's three. No. Davy O'Brien's a quarterback. O'Brien, Maxwell yeah. is offensive player offensive and then walter camp is college football player of the year which is very funny because the maxwell is college or the walter camp's college football player of the year and the heisman is the most outstanding player in college football right those are those are are very fun those are the hairs that they're splitting uh during those yeah and i like when they don't go to the same player despite yeah it's very very funny but it's very funny when that happens it should be identical because the high the old the old Heisman's winners get to vote on it, and so it's like one of those things where it's like they're those are just guys just looking at ball and being like, "This guy's the best player." This we don't guy, care what the stats were. This guy knows how to play. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So let's move into the Peachog MVP. Um. So now we have we did not um nominate anyone as finalists for this because obviously when we did this, um, no games had been played in a point of playoffs, so you could playoffs. Um, so really and ironically, any player we would have dominated would not have probably did not do, did not do well. I would have, it probably honestly would have been most Nakua and Purdy again. I would have been like, yeah, oh, oh, we, were, we, would, we would have nominated Tyree kill for it. Tyree and he did kill, not play yeah. great in the playoffs. Like, um, yeah, I, Christian McCaffrey probably would have been the other yeah. guy I would have put up there. Um, but yeah, no, to me, this is uh CD lamb, I think. Um, I, I now that I'm thinking about it, it probably is him. He had three of his best games of the entire season, the three weeks of the playoffs. He played he played well all year, but yeah, I was gonna say he plays well all year. He finishes wide receiver one. Um, he still was not a high investment pick. I think what was he like? His, he might have been actually towards the end of the first round. I don't remember specifically. He was a. 
Our draft is so it, fucking weird. It's very so it like it's because of how he put it in. So he it says he was the third overall pick in the first round by. So he was a first round pick though. Yeah, by Colin. So that would I forget where Colin picked, but so definitely more investment compared to Puka, and thus loses him the MVP. But um, yeah, no, he he finishes wide receiver one. Uh, you, you yeah, get, he was the eleventh over. He was the eleventh overall pick in a league of a lot of keepers. So he's like. He was probably, probably, second round pick. probably slotted as early second round pick by ADP and most, I would guess in most leagues, he was a late second or early second round pick and ended up as wide receiver one. So yeah, um, pretty incredible. But then, yeah, when, when you want to just discuss someone who won Colin this, uh, you, you can't really tell that story without putting in CD Lamb's performance. I mean, you got, uh, obviously there was the big game, the 40 points, but then... And he was the highest scoring non-quarterback this year as well. He was. Um, you get uh, in the first round, puts up 19, good enough, like not not notable, not bad. 25 in the second, 40 in the last in the championship. Uh, I yeah, I just don't. I don't know who else you could say. Um, obviously, we could potentially give this to someone who did not wind up winning on Collins team. Puka's another player that we could discuss, but I feel like it's CD. And like if Tyree to kill had gone. Oh yeah, 45, 45, 45, Even in a losing effort, it would, it would kind of make to sense to, yeah. get, to make, give it to him. But he did not do that. So, no, he didn't. I'm just checking all of Mike's guys to make sure. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, you could theoretically make an argument for. Like he had 24, yeah. 28, 22. It's a pretty good run, but there's no number beginning with a four in there. <laughs> yeah, which to me pushes it um, into CD's uh, favor. So I, I think yeah, we, we give this I, think, I, I think you're right on that. I said I, I stood briefly on the table for um, Puka Nakua, but it is CD Lamb. Um, yeah, even like even Laporta, who also finished his tight end wand, had a, a stinker right in the middle there. Yeah. So, you know, what can you do? Wait, let me just check Brandon Ayuk. Nope. Okay. Yeah. No, it's CD. I, I don't, I did not remember how all these guys did, but it's yeah. CD Lamb. Okay. Um, yeah. Congrats CD. I'm sure that that's the, the best thing that he's going to get this year. Um, trophy wise. Uh, well, they get right. to play at home twice. They get, to, they get to play at home twice. So you never know. I, I trust, I don't know who I trust less Mike McCarthy in the playoffs or, uh, uh, the Cowboys in the playoffs. Also, Jared Jones is also just like, yeah, we'll evaluate Mike McCarthy at the end yeah. of this year. It's like, dude, you're the two seed. Like, you're, had an incredible year. Um. Okay, so let's move on to the most unimproved player. Only had two finalists for this one. We only had two finalists because only two people really made sense. Um, it was me or Paul. Um, it's me. There's yeah, no- that's you. John filled this in before we even started this podcast. This is John. There's just no- an awful year. Between it, your draft was okay, ended up being very bad as as the year went on, and then you also mismanaged. You, you put on a real clinic of of roster mismanagement this entire year, and so yeah, this is really just an all around strong effort by your part to win this award. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, I pulled the wrong strings on several different uh, occasions, uh, most notably obviously in the toilet bowl. Um, yeah, no, I think it's also you have to when you consider least improved or most unimproved. Sorry, uh, you have to look at what I did last year, which was pretty damn good. I, I yeah. looked pretty good last year, um, so to go from that to losing the league, um, I think I was the two seed last year. Uh, that's as far as you can realistically fall. 
Yeah. Uh, um, looking next year, John, what is your overall, do you, off the top of your head, do you remember what your draft capital acquisitions were in this tirade? Um, I don't remember what the second pick. So I obviously have the the additional first from Colin. I believe I got another seventh from Colin, and I believe I lost a fifth. I think that was how it worked. Um, Let's see. Um, yeah, you got a first and a seventh, and you lost a fifth. Lost a fifth. Um, and then, and then I other trades. I did not. So I I get. Oh, that's not even that good, John. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah, when you're gonna tank, it's an extra first round pick. My idea was to not lose the league, and I almost achieved that goal. Yeah, if you're gonna tank, fucking tank. Um, I couldn't. I didn't even have that many other. What was I gonna do? Trade Aaron Jones to you for like a tenth round pick or whatever you were offering me at the end? Could have gotten a second. Should have gotten a second. Should have. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and then I get um. I'm not great, but at least usable keeper in Brian Robinson. Cause otherwise I'd literally, I don't know who I would have kept probably no one had I stood Pat. Um, so you get that. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I have to hope that that extra first um, is enough to kind of turn me around just a little bit. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> After this year, I, 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 sure, I, I hope, I hope it, I hope it doesn't be honest. I'm sure you, you that's, do. That's just me. I, uh, yeah, no, I have, I have faith in nothing. Um, I think I might just go, a lot of people were going off of, uh, just vibes in the last draft and seem to go okay with them. Maybe I do that. I'm so depleted next year at draft that I have one strategy that I could possibly implement. It's literally called, it involves a lot of prayer. That That's the strategy <laughs> that I can implement. You know, Chuck, despite the draft capital, I mine will also involve quite a bit of prayer. Given I, how this I will be doing a lot of reconnecting with the Lord at this next draft. That's, that's what I'll be doing. There's going to be some penance performed by me, um, most notably during a certain mile that's run uh, later this yeah, year. Yeah, so let's check in on that real quick. How is training going? Um, you know, training is off to a rocky start. I have gone to several stores and have not been able to secure any yingling light, which I think is actually kind of fascinating. <laughs> I think that is like a a way more regional beer than we give it credit for. That's what I'm finding now. I thought at the time I was like, Oh yeah. Yingling light, like whatever. I'll pick it up on the way to the grocery well, store. Like up until like 15 years ago, I think it was only available in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm okay. So I might just be training with Bud Light or something along those yeah. lines. It's all the same loosely. Um, but yeah, so it's off to a tough start. The other issue is that, um, as far as cardio goes, uh, it's been snowing for the past three days here in Boise, so uh, I don't think cardio. I don't think cardio. I don't think cardio is the issue. You have to clear either. here. I don't think. I don't think that's standing in your way. No, it's not. So I gotta. I gotta pick up some variety of beer. I would prefer to find Yingling Light at a liquor store or something, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, we're we're in the opening stages here of, of the training regimen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Keep luckily, us updated. You know what I can do though, Chuck? I'm at altitude here a little bit, so that could really that could play a factor. That could really that, that, help. Like we said, I don't I don't think cardio is um is chugging is harder at altitude though. I truly don't know, but I'm gonna see. I would th- I think it's probably. I think my physics is right on this. Okay, I but can't. At decide. higher altitude, you have less atmospheric pressure. Correct. And so the carbonation will leave the beer faster. So it'll be easier to chug it at altitude because it'll always because it'll be less carbonated. But here's the issue: is that it if, will decarbonate. Like, it will dec. 
If I left the beer open for a minute or two, I think you'd be correct. But does that factor in when you're chugging it and giving it essentially no time to breathe? Well, we've seen you chug. And so, yes, the time of decarbonation will be playing a factor. (laughs) It could could drop. Yeah. Shit. All right. Whatever. Okay, let's move on. Um, You need need to get a hyperbaric chamber to train in. Really amp up that pressure. Really amp up the pressure as much as I possibly can. And keep that carbonation in the beer. If I could hyper... Maybe I'll try to double carbonate some. You know, like I'll try to add some. (laughs) Those uh, airsoft CO2 canisters. (laughs) All right, last last award, most important award. Uh, we're gonna give out uh, Mister Irrelevant. Um, we nominated uh, Gary, Brian, and Alex. These are the correct nominations. These um, are, and I, I there's a clear winner, and I've thought yeah, about this more than I think anybody will give me credit for. We really shrugged this off when we nominated these people, but you get the three. We'll start with Gary. Yeah, his t- we nominated him because his team was kind of middling mm-hmm. all year. Like it was very clear kind of after, after sort of that first round of um, trades, he had, his team was okay. Then he had sold. And it was like, well, this, this is not going to be a contending team down the stretch. He could still make the playoffs, but he is not going to be a threat really down the stretch to go on a run. Right. But by selling, he was jacking up, he was juicing up Mike's team. Right. And was playing a factor in um, sort of how the playoffs were going to unfold, even without his team being there. Yeah. Alex didn't make any trades that changed the course of the playoffs, but because of the run he went on, like we said, no one man was able to stop Alex no. from making the playoffs. It took Only a combined, Alex can stop Alex. it took literally the entire bottom division. To, to rally together yeah. to block him out just by sheer numbers. Hey, give Kyle and I credit. We gave you guys a lot of those wins. And and, and, and so he was a, like we said he was. I was terrified of him continuing his streak and going on his run. Yeah. Um, down the stretch. Brian did neither of those things. No. His team wasn't good. He didn't make any trades and never went on any sort of a run. That made you worry about, oh, if I drop one here and he wins one, I'm in trouble. He actually lost the most crucial games down the stretch when he could have done that. Yes. And cemented himself as out of playoffs. And he, again, wound up in the toilet pool with Alex where he wasn't even a factor to lose the league. He like Literally nobody cared about him. Nobody cared about him. Yeah, that's right. T-Final. Nobody cared about him. Also, I think my favorite thing about Brian's team, so first of all, I completely agree with you, but my favorite thing about Brian's team is that um, we gave Brian all this credit for like, look, Brian's going to get his, you know, 120, Brian's going to, you know, he'll, he'll show up and, you know, you got to beat him, but he's not going to beat himself. Um, after we said that, Brian went on a nice little streak in the playoffs of um, 105, 124, and then 101. Those were the actual like scores that he put up uh had he obviously it didn't wind up mattering because he wasn't playing in a relevant game but had he actually had to play in a relevant game he actually might have lost the league yeah he he actually if you look at it is the only person who did not win a game in like the consolation bracket because in that last week where the game didn't matter and brian and i just left our lineups in i technically beat him (laughs) brian didn't brian beat no one 
Brian yeah. was uh, an afterthought, even uh, among afterthoughts. So I think uh, I think it's finished ninth in points for like again, and, and the the three teams that he beat in points for were you, Kyle, and Paul, who all three actively tanked very yes. hard. All three sold pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is Brian. This was Brian's looking back. This was Brian's award, uh, start to finish, but had he put up a big number in the petite final, it would have been like, okay, that's fun. He, you know, dominated the first uh, game of this, but no, he put up 105 points and, and yeah. lost it. And yeah, boring. Yeah. So yeah. So fuck you, Brian. You are no fun this year. That's what we're saying. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So congratulations to our award winners just to run back through it one more time. Uh, Coach of the year going to Scott. Uh, MVP, Puka Nakua. LVP, Justin Jefferson. Comeback player of the year, Colin. Pichog, Colin. Pichog MVP, CD Lamb. Most unimproved player, myself. And Mr. Relevant going to Brian. Uh, so congrats to all winners besides Brian, obviously, and me. Uh, those are insults, but still. Yes. Um. Okay, so now let's move on to our second um, segment here, which we're just going to run through quick because uh, we, we obviously did the predictions um, and we can just put a bow on that. Yes. Uh, so last week, you and Colin picked Colin. I wanted to pick Colin, but for the sake of that would have been dumb. I picked Mike. Uh, so you guys obviously got the point bump and it wound up mattering. Um, Colin uh, winds up 31 and 17 uh, with a... Uh, win percentage of 646. Oh, God. Did I lose you, Chuck? Or did I lose me? Oh, Christ. All right. We're oh, still recording. Still recording. Fine. Works for me. Um, all right. So I was just going through uh, the, the me, me and Colin picked uh, Colin, and then you had picked Mike. Yes. So you guys both got that point bump, and it wound up mattering. So Colin wound up 31 and 17. Uh, good for a win percentage of 646. I wound up 48 and 27 which was uh, a 640 winning percentage. So had I picked Colin, I would have won, but I did not. Uh, so Colin uh, technically takes it based on The one percentage. thing that's really surprising to me in all this is... What? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Okay. The one thing that's really surprising to me in all this is still how many more games you picked than either Colin or I. Like I, I was on. I, I, I only, I only missed. I think the four weeks that I was out, and you still had eleven more games than I did. Like, yeah. so, um, so, like I said, credit to you. Or nine more games. No, yeah, eight. No, I, I did that math totally wrong. Says nine. Uh, eight more games, I think. Got to be a factor of oh, because because of, of the playoff. That's right. It has to be a factor of off. yeah. Yes. So credit to you. I still think you had the most impressive performance because of how many games you picked that has still have such a high winning percentage. 
I do think that it makes me look very good because it, it really reinforces. Sometimes I'm like, am I being like unnecessary when I think like, man, I do this podcast a lot, but no, I clearly do. I clearly do it a lot. Um, but yeah, so I got the most wins obviously. And I believe this is now tied for the most wins that we are most correct picks all time. Um, I, I, cause I went through this and l- let me go through that quickly. Cause we always say like I- any other year, this would be like head and shoulders above what we normally do. Not necessarily. So, so I have okay. no details from seasons one or two. I did not track it on the Google doc. It's probably written in a notebook somewhere that's been burned or thrown away. I have no idea. So those two are out Tw- 2019 and 2020 are they're the void years. Uh, 2021. Um, I had a 615 winning percentage, and Chuck, you came in at exactly 500. Uh, okay. Truly incredible stuff uh, out of you. And then last year, Colin had a 573, and I had a 547. So both um, definitely worse, but like, you know, right kind of in line with where you were. Uh, so it's not like this was, in general, this was a little bit higher. Um, and I think obviously the fact that half the league tanked played a big factor in that. And then, you know, Brian. Um, so I, I do think that it's a little interesting to see, but yeah, I believe the, the previous high was me in 2021. I think I picked 48 correctly. Okay. Um, and obviously that's like gibberish now. Cause it's a different number of games and uh, we don't do every week, but still, uh, I don't know. Noteworthy. Uh, but yeah, that's that. Any thoughts, Chuck? No, like I said, um, we all picked – normally one of us is usually pretty bad at this, mm-hmm. and not the case this year. We all did pretty well. All were – had very strong weeks, a couple 5-0 and or 5-1, and a couple 6-0 and weeks, I think, across mm-hmm. the board for all of us. So Yeah, no one I don't, had I don't to... know if I ever went 6-0, and but I definitely had a few 5-1s. and ones. So, And I know that you and Colin were both the same. I think the more impressive thing to me than the six and O's is that no one went like one and five. Cause that's when it really starts to yeah. flip and go bad. Um, no one did that. Uh, so that's obviously um, probably where this big swing came from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So that was the predictions. So now let's uh, <clears throat> now that the league has finally ended its uh, year. Uh, I want to do uh, a little year in review. In daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles, in laughter and strife, in 525,600 minutes, how do you measure a year So, um, I think uh, the, the main, I want to do two things here, Chuck. So the first thing is I want to discuss, we made some changes this year. So I want to kind of walk through how we think those went. And then I want to look ahead to next year at the changes that could potentially happen. Obviously there's always rule changes that are floating in the air. Colin's going to suggest half point PPR again. He's going to do it every year until we agree. Um, which we're not, which we're not going to. So. Which, no, I will hold the line. Um, uh, but so first off, let's look at um, the past year, because there were two main changes that we kind of did. Uh, the first one, the most obvious one, is that we added two people. We added Kyle and Scott. We went to a 12-team league. Um, and I think that had a ripple effect that even I didn't fully know how interesting it would be. So, like, the draft was bizarre. The draft, like, looking up um, rankings before the draft was useless. It was 
it was gibberish. Um, so it was definitely a weird thing. Um, and then the other thing was that the waiver wire was more useful than I thought it would be, actually, because there were some guys that came through even outside of the first couple weeks. Um, but it was, if you weren't like towards the, if you weren't on the first five guys in the waiver order, you were just getting no one. You you weren't getting a whole lot. That is yeah. That is correct. Um, and, and there were some barren stretches on the waiver yes. wire where there was really not a lot available. Well, yeah, especially for uh, a good team. I was still picking yeah. people up, obviously. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, for a good team, there was no reason to even submit a claim unless you needed a kicker. Yeah. Um, like I had one week where I think I made, I picked up a new, it was when the Browns run by and my kicker was on by. So I had picked up a new defense, a new kicker. And, um, I got Noah Brown. That was the week that I, I, I picked him up big. and I got all three of those guys. And I was like, no, no fucking way. <laughs> like no fucking way. Uh, yeah, no, I think that that's, I'm curious. So the waiver wire is going to be the waiver wire moving forward. That's yeah. Must we change another rule? That is how that will be. No, the, the only thing that would change that is I know another, not to, not to pick on Collins bad, or dumb rule idea change, but he's always thrown out the idea of eliminating the second running back mm-hmm. slot from the roster. Every roster change we've ever made or every, every sort of thing that deals with the roster of scoring has made it more difficult. So we went from standard to PPR. Some would argue it makes it easier to find points, but now it's a whole other piece of strategy you have to account yes. for. Yeah. Guys value changes drastically. If they're grabbing a point every time they catch a pass. Correct. Um, we expanded the rosters and we yeah. kept the bench narrow. We've never yeah. expanded the bench. We've always kept the bench narrow and expanded no. more guys. On and the we roster. never should expand the bench. No, that's one of the best things. So, because here's the thing, I've had 12 team leagues that have the same thing. Yeah. Two flexes like with seven roster, with yeah. seven roster spots on the bench. There's literally nothing on the No. Way. Yeah. It's guys projected for one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so eliminating a second running back spot makes it easier to construct your roster. You have to you, sometimes you got to make got to pick. Do I got to go after a running back now in the draft or another wide receiver or how am I going to run this? And also you got to fill that roster spot every week. And somebody's going to have two really good running backs out there every week. So yeah. simply that's just how it goes. You know? I think there actually was a good running back like contingent. Obviously, a maybe- lot of the mid round running backs played very very well like uh deandre swift had a great year moster had a good year kyron uh kyron williams came on late had yeah. a really strong year towards the end um uh derrick henry turned was very hot and cold had some really good weeks same thing with like austin eckler who was hurt and then was really good and then the chargers tanked so it's like there was stretches where there was a lot of really good running backs playing and putting up points but you had to find those guys yeah, no, and I think that that's fair. I, the only thing that I would say is that this is now a different league from when we expanded the rosters, obviously. So, like, when we expanded the rosters, it was like, oh, there there was a constant crop of guys that were, like, really good. And it's like, okay, let's get another guy. Like, everybody had a guy on their bench they would have preferred to be starting because, like, they had four good receivers or, like, a, another yeah. good running back. And, like, you wanted to get that guy in. Now, due to the scarcity we've introduced with two extra teams, I do wonder if we should consider it. But 
that's neither here nor there. We can discuss the one that. argument. I'll, the one argument I always make against reducing the roster or changing it is that everybody's playing with the same rules oh, and restrictions. Yeah. So it's like there, nobody's no one's at an advantage. No, it's not about you leveling know. the playing field so much as it is about making waivers more interesting. <laughs> Well, you could also argue that it forced it forces trades. If it if does, you, if you can't true. find a guy in the waivers, it forces you to trade with somebody. If you're a something. good team, you are forced to exact. You're forced to acquire players some way because you're not doing it in the waivers. Um, and it also, I guess, it does um, increase the likelihood of a team. Like, and this is another reason why I kind of like the not having it be like an auction waiver situation where. Like a team that's bad in the beginning can actually turn it around a little bit because there's so much more advantage when there's only like three guys that are worth picking up yeah. versus like ten. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I, and the the one one other rule restriction that oh we we are this will come up later so yes. perfect yeah um but yeah so uh, the draft i'm curious to see if that stabilizes um over the course of the next few years because obviously we switched but we kept the keepers the way that they were so i'm curious to see if as we continue to kind of like pick new keepers and stuff like that if maybe it becomes less of it like there were guys being taken like two rounds ahead of where like espn which which albeit even in our league it still is rare that that happens it'll happen with with a position normally it's a tight end spot. If you have a bunch of tight end keepers, you have to reach for it to try to grab a decent tight end. That's really the only position where I think there's a huge ours always get bumped up because of keepers, but yeah, rarely I think is the reach ever that far down the down the barrel. It's I'm curious to see if it, it kind of stabilizes here. Yeah. Because it definitely seemed like it happened a few times uh this past draft. Some people were also bad at drafting, so not to point fingers. Um, and then, so obviously with the 12-team league, you also have to discuss the two new additions. Uh, Scott obviously proving his medal immediately. Yeah, I thought I thought just as a general point, both performed. Both were exactly what you asked for. They were active in the chat, and mm-hmm. they were active in the league. That's really all you, could, uh, all you could really ask for, I think, from new members. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think, yeah, again... Both got involved in the trade market. Both were, you know, active in the chat, like you said. And uh, obviously, Scott makes the playoffs in his first year. That always looks great. Um, I remember Zach bragging about that for quite a while. uh, Because he was like, no, I made the playoffs my first year. Because it was like Mike hadn't made it yet. Ben hadn't made it yet. And Zach was like, look, year one, I was there. (laughs) Um, So that's impressive. And then Kyle is obviously looking better going into next year with that extra pick he didn't lose you got to give him that like you said that's the second winner in the league is the guy always a second winner yeah so i think uh, obviously if you're kyle you don't feel great going into next year but you definitely feel like there's a reason for optimism um so yeah so those are two two good things the other um noticeable change i guess that wasn't to the league but to league adjacent things was um on the podcast we went with more of a three-man weave situation which I don't know about you, Chuck, but I thought it was a fantastic thing that we pivoted to. Yeah, that was introduce, introducing um, break opportunities mm-hmm. and weeks off for each of us, I think, was was colossal. I think it kept 
it's always good to get a fresh voice in, and it just, I think, freed us up more to where well, the weeks we were on, I think we were all pretty locked in. It never became mm-hmm. a, a chore or something. Like yes, that. which it usually would have, around week 10, you know, 12, you're, you're kind of, you're a little done. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Recording this podcast every week. Uh, so, and also just, you know, um, Chuck and I have always uh, reiterated to each other that this podcast is not the most important thing that we do during the course of yeah. our lives. Yes. Um, so adding the flexibility and to be like, oh, hey, like I have like, I have like 80, like this past week, for example, I was moving and it was like, let's just, let's just push it. Like having that yeah. flexibility is very nice without losing something where like you do lose something when it's, you bring on like a one-time guest host and or if you have to or if you have to run a solo show that's always a little it's tough to just talk to the the void to yourself yeah it's always tough talking to the void by yourself no yeah it's not so i think the three-man weave has been great but obviously you know we're in an echo chamber here so um i would actually be genuinely curious to hear what the the group's opinions on uh that strategy were but i think it went very well i believe colin and we and we straight away we did we did we, we had owners on a lot of weeks as guests. We went a lot of weeks though where we didn't have owners mm-hmm. on, and so that's been that was also sort of a change of how we've done things in the past. Either bringing them on for a future owner of the week segment, or kind of like in years past where they would come on as for the entire episode as like a guest host. Yes. And so I will be, I do want, I would like to have some genuine feedback on more owner involvement. Is it just sort of as we see fit? You know, yeah, when, that that type of thing. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, we would definitely be happy to increase that if it's uh, sought after. I mean, again, we've made no secret of the fact that if you bring us an idea, I'm, I'm not going to tell you no. Like, yeah. we're, we're going to do it. Um, most times. Most times we will most do Most of the idea. time. Well, we, we'd probably bring you on, but then just make the segment not suck would probably be yes. the, the tweak. Um, okay, and then, so now let's move Chuck into some potential changes, uh, that we could see next year. Um, obviously we've, we've touched on the rule changes a little bit, but let's look at the most important thing first, which is that Ben, um, it certainly didn't guarantee his, uh, retirement from the league, but, uh, definitely, uh, I think teasing is, is the best way you could have phrased it. Mm -hmm. That's how John phrased in the document here. Um, obviously, Ben is under no obligation to stay or leave. Yeah, if he wa- if he wants to um, stay, this spot is one hundred percent his without any issues. If he decides to leave, we will find have to find a replacement. We will, um, and we will go back through uh, that whole process. Um, the 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 pool of replacements is either one person or it's a lot of people um that's, that's, that's how correct I'm yeah. uh so that will be interesting uh should that come to pass but yes obviously we would all love to see ben back but uh, in a similar vein to our comments on the podcast not being the most important thing i understand why ben might want to take a step back that's completely okay um yeah. but that would be a big change ben obviously has been in this league for quite a while yes his name is on the hog this would be i believe our first retirement of an owner since will um which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't call any of the previous owners as retirements. Yes, Will voluntarily stepped away. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Owen and Rutledge were booted. <laughs> and, and and the Zettler round one. That yeah, one Eli I don't know if you classify that as a retirement or not. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, but so so that w- would be interesting. That would obviously be a big 
shift. Um, so yeah, the league might be looking very different next year, um, just in terms of faces. Um, and then we get into some potential rule changes. Like I said, Khan's going to suggest half point PPR. That's just going to be something that we all have to buckle in for. Um, we already discussed potentially changing roster construction. Um, and then, um, and then I wanted to bring up the one waiver wire thing that I think this was discussed early, but the idea of the rolling waiver priority, where when you make a waiver claim, basically when you make a so the way our waivers work now is within the week. Yeah. Um, when you make a waiver claim, you go to the back of the line. So if somebody gets dropped and goes back to waivers midweek, you might have if you are like a number two waiver person, but you made a claim and you got somebody, you might have like the tenth waiver priority mm-hmm. or something. Some one thing you can do is that's just a rolling thing. So whenever you make a waiver claim, you just go to the back of the line. And then, if you don't make one, then you, you stay up. up. So, so if you were if you were oh. good and you maybe you started off four and zero but made no waiver claims, you could be sitting there in week five with a number one waiver priority if somebody got hurt. I'm always, especially as like we as, as we well as, as we expanded the roster, I've always said I've always loved that the waiver order resets in reverse order of standings to give the bad teams, if they so choose a glimmer of a chance to try to crawl out of yeah. holes and get guys to make themselves more competitive, but also then they get more ammo to then trade or do other things. So that's, I've always been in favor of the, of the one we do where it resets every week so that the worst teams are always getting first crack at waivers to try to prove themselves. But I do see the other side of the argument. So people like the rolling priority thing. So I would actually, I think if we were going to change it, I would like that a lot better than the the auction version. I, I auction auction is too. I've never been in a league that does auction waiver priority. I don't understand. I understand how, how, how I don't. I understand. I understand how it works, but I've got no experience with seeing how it sort of plays out throughout the I, entire season. I don't like it, mostly because to your point, I think you you take away that one glimmer of hope that you're getting as a bad team that like maybe i can turn this around um the only thing i think i like the rolling potentially because you could get a situation where you are um like you're forcing people to be more selective so right now it's just like you just put in your waiver claims and it's just like let's just see who i get you know like maybe a guy will fall to me you know, or like if you're a bad team, it's like, well, fuck it. Might as well pick up OBJ this week and just see if he does something good. Like, who knows? Yeah. Um, whereas I think the rolling thing would really encourage you to be like, okay, no, I I want this guy. I'm going to go for him. Or if it's like, I don't find any of the guy, these guys particularly attractive, I'm going to wait and then let myself bump up the order to hopefully improve. Yeah. So I could see that actually being an interesting thing. Um so yeah, that's a discussion to have. I like that. Yeah, and that would probably that, that will be a, a discussion. Um, it will be probably um, in the offseason. I, I believe that was brought up early on. Uh, I, there was a whole discussion, I'm, yeah. And I'm obviously obviously not changing the rules midseason. You can't actually. That's also part not of it. for there are certain rules. Yeah. There are certain rules you cannot change in the middle of the season. Yeah, the waivers would be that would be anarchy. Um, yeah, we can do ISIS as much as we want, but not not waivers. Um, yeah. The only other thing I wanted to discuss in terms of uh, rule changes was so the draft pick trading rules obviously have gotten it's it's really 
we are, if we do nothing else, we are going to have to change the language in the actual rule. It says one thing. We've always used it to mean another. It says you have to maintain four of your own top six picks. We've always taken that to mean as long as you maintain four four picks of the top six rounds, then you're okay. I think it's a better way to go about it because I I think it encourages more participation. Well, that will have to change unless we were to change something even more drastic altogether with it. Yeah. No, I think yeah. the only um, thing is that obviously this year was probably the most stark example of pretty much half the league bought, half the league sold. Which, except for Brian. Except for Brian. Which, like, is... And Alex, really. They were the pair who, who stood pat. But you... Um, I mean, that is, I think, a very interesting way to do things. And it obviously increases, like, this kind of turnover. Nobody's... Like you said, making the playoffs is a skill. But if you do it this way, you can kind of you know, um, shade things over in different directions. Um, the only thing is, do if we were to discourage the pure, like, okay, we have a lot of teams tanking all of a sudden, which does suck a little bit. Like, it makes it a little bit less interesting throughout the course of the regular season. Um, so I don't have any specific idea, but I, I wanted to throw it out there that it would be interesting to discuss. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think what, we, what we have is pretty good, where you have people that, if they're willing to mortgage some of their future to try to get better now, the, they have to pay the piper because there's a punishment for coming in actual last place. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, if, there, if there was no punishment for coming in last place, why wouldn't you trade your picks every year? Yeah, to try to get in. to get better, yeah. and then well, and then I, I, yeah. I came in late, yeah, I lost. Sorry, but like now, like, so it's like there, there there's there's a payment payment is paid one way or another. On that, yeah. so oh yeah, well, no, same thing. Same thing. If you sell and get, it's like the same. The balance too. If you selling and you get too bad, you come in last place. You're punished for that as well. So it's yep. like, no, I lived that. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, but yeah, no, I, I just, I'm curious to see what everyone's thoughts are because again, this was the most, the most that that uh, rule change was used for for um, sure. The most, the most teams bought and the most teams sold this year, and that's probably due to a number of things. More, more. More raw people, more raw numbers. There's just mm. going to be more opportunities, and um, as a result of that, like we said there was the waivers were more barren. I don't know if desperation is the right answer, but you had to be a little more aggressive to get better players um, if you were going for it. You know, there were yeah. not, you were not sitting there in week nine or ten with a really good record grabbing guys off the waivers that are really going to help you. Oh, you got to go get somebody else's guys. Yeah. No, and that's it, – it's a good point. Um, and I don't think that we need to change it. I, I, think, no, I don't um, think so either. It's, it's just a um, – it's an interesting to see this much buy-in on it. Obviously, it was a novelty at first, and now it's become much more like actual sports leagues where, like, you, you are pretty much – you have to be a buyer or seller or what are you doing? Like, what's the point? I do want to check one thing. Did this happen at all? John Collin, Kyle Zach, Paul Chuck, Mike Alex, Colin Scott, Chuck Scott, Mike. Ben did not make Ben does not did not make any trades. So if he were if he were to leave, um, or did not that draft be, that's so good. If, he were, if he were to leave, that's a good point. Uh, somebody's getting a clean a clean roster. And we have a protocol for keepers, which is great. Yes. Um, but yeah, those were the only. Well, potential- no. In this case, they would inherit Ben's 
roster. Oh, right, because it's a clean switch. Yes. Yeah. Not an expansion. Not an expansion not draft. An expansion it is a, draft. It is a a, a, a a sale of a team draft. But the the team moved from yes, uh, from Cincinnati to Vermont. Maybe who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, okay. That that was the only rule changes potential that I yeah. wanted to discuss. I don't know if you had. Any I'm others. sure there there are there are definitely ones that were have been discussed in recent past that we've omitted here. Um, there will probably be more brought up. We have a yeah. whole off season now to um, to, uh, to figure it out. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, but with that, um, that's gonna do it here on uh, season five of Don't Fear the Keeper. Um, Chuck, do you have any parting thoughts uh, before we head into the off season? The league's always one of my favorite things that we do. I am always honored that you guys uh, trust me with the responsibility of being the commissioner. And I think like almost every other year, uh, you know, another great season in Norwich Football League. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, I have found myself being sad that fantasy is not going on anymore, despite the fact that it was an objective nightmare for me this year. Um, it's still one of those things you look forward to. Um, yes. So yeah, it'll be a long uh, winter and summer, but we'll be back here in the fall. Um, oh yeah, we said we threw this out. Maybe we're gonna, maybe we'll do a little pseudo mm-hmm. league get together in the spring or summer at some point. That was thrown yeah. out uh, last weekend. So absolutely maybe look for that. But that's about really you know, the league business until we get to some argument about the rules of the offseason. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure shortly after that uh, segment. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Um, that's going to do it for season five. Um, we will certainly probably be back for some season of- five. Season five, man. Season six is coming up next. I'm excited for when we hit ten. That's going to be exciting. In in no way is this depressing or sad, right? Nope. No, I, uh, no, no. Chuck, if no I way, admit right? that to myself, then um, I I don't know how I could go on. So. Nope, it's, like, it's, it's like not. The, it's like the Anchorman line. We've been coming to the same party for 10 years, and in no way. No way. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for season six next year. We will certainly be back with some off-season episodes. Um, anyone who has any ideas on anything they'd like to see out of that, if, please reach out If, if the Browns lose Saturday, you'll all probably be at my funeral. I will lay down in traffic. So At what point? At which point Colin and I will be doing the podcast again. Yeah. So it's funny, uh, like I said, my uh, my buddy's uh, bachelor party literally is the start of the Browns games when we're getting to the. Is he a Browns to fan? Start this. Oh yeah, uh, we okay. we've already spoke. We've spoken with the general manager of Hofbrauhaus okay. House about where our table will be at to make sure we are right in front of one of the TVs. Good. Good. Um, yeah. Best of luck uh, to Chuck and his friends. Um, don't touch his hat if they lose. That's not going to go well for anybody. That's mm mm mm. No, I have um, to be. Uh, I'll have to be buried with it because it'll be probably permanently attached to my skull as a car tire runs over. Well, so. It's going to be a closed casket. Um, all right. Well, uh, that, that's going to do it for us. Um, until you hear from us again, peace. Boom.